Hello and welcome to the Foundation for Science and Technology podcast. I'm Gavin Costigan and all this month we've been talking about international research collaboration post-Brexit. We've had quite a few conversations from a UK perspective, um, but today I'm delighted to be joined by Professor Gunter Stock from the Einstein Foundation in Berlin to give a view from across the water uh, from the EU on some of these different issues. Um, Gunter, thank you very much for joining me today on the podcast. It's my pleasure. So we've talked a lot about in the UK about how important EU research programs are to UK researchers. But what's the relative importance of EU research funding to researchers in countries like Germany compared with their own domestic funding? I think in contrast probably to what people say, I think the existence of the European research research area and the growing of the research area is fantastic. I think we have made enormous progress in terms of international, especially European collaboration. And I must say that if you look at the output of those collaborations, you can see that, let's take the British outcome in publications, 55% are due to international corporations, 55%, and most of them are the best ones you can get in, in, in publications. And the number one collaborator is, for example, Germany. Mm-hmm. So for Germany especially, it is of utmost importance to have this collaboration with the British scientists. If you look, for example, at the programs which we have in Brussels, then there is a clear preponderance of British scientists leading the consortia. 20% of the consortia are led by British scientists, which speaks for quality. Germany leads about 11% only. So we benefit from the quality of yes. the British researchers. I think that is one important point. And, and I think we live also up with the programs together with our British colleagues. So there are indicators showing that British scientists together with European or non-British European scientists, they do very well, both on a strategic level. We have come up now probably as a leading continent when it comes to programs, when it comes to content and research. Yes, it is important. And we obviously uh, are debating whether or not the UK should become an associate member of the EU research programs uh, here in the UK. Um, What's the view from Germany about that? What are the clearly the advantages if we do are a a continuation of what you've just described? Are there any advantages to Germany and other countries if the UK does not associate with the next framework program? Not associating would be devastating, I must say. This is not an option. I think the minimum what we should what we should get and achieve in all what we do is that Britain becomes an associate member. And I would even add that on top of being associate member, because it will be less than what we have today, even if associate membership would work and it should hopefully work best. But even then, there will be a gap towards what we have today. And therefore, I would really urge our countries, especially Great Britain and Germany, to come to bilateral to bilateral agreements in order to maintain the dynamic and the innovative approach which we have taken in the past. So 
do everything to make the associate membership as good as possible for the young people, Erasmus, for example, in these in these consortia, but add to that, add to that bilateral agreements, which I think would be very beneficial from both of us, for both of us. So can we explore a little bit what some of those bilateral agreements might look like? Does Germany have similar agreements with other countries that it can draw on? I think we have these agreements with other countries, but in the case of Great Britain and Germany, I think we should do something special. Look, I believe that our research systems are very similar. It's bottom-up, it's quality-oriented, it's internationally-oriented. So there's a lot of common thinking and common approach to that. And therefore, I think we should do something for the young people, for the students. I would, I would really look forward to have joint programs for doctoral training. Mm -hmm. This could be done easily. We have, if we, if we look at more senior professors, we in our Einstein Foundation have a fantastic model, which I would like to expand towards British uh, universities. It is what we call uh, the Einstein Visiting Fellow. So if a scientist in Berlin would like to have intense contact with a professor in Cambridge, they are working a little bit together. In this case, the German professor can apply for a sponsoring of the British colleagues. This is something he gets 150,000 euros per year. And for this, this professor can come to Berlin four to six times a year, maintain his job in Cambridge, in Oxford, wherever, and have a second lab here in Berlin next to his collaborating colleague here in Berlin. And then you have a very close interaction. Students, postdocs, doctoral students move forward and backward. And our experience is that could is easily prolonged for six years and things like that. And this could be and expanded and done for this. And my last point is, I think we should really go again for more internationally for the world open research consortia like the CERN, which we, which we have, or the EMBL, the Molecular Biology Laboratory. We should have more of that type. And here I could see that Great Britain could be a very strong partner. And the advantage would be that we could also invite the rest of the world. I think these would be elements which could be done. And if we then would even come to a point where we can make colleges for advanced studies, it would yes. be fantastic. Yes. So these are the few ideas what we could do bilaterally. And do you think that uh, German research funding organizations would be happy to work with British research funding organizations for joint calls and joint peer review to avoid the double jeopardy problem? I can I cannot see any problem that they should not be willing to do that. And if they would see a problem, I would go to all our foundations. I think the Wellcome Foundation on your part, the Volkswagen Stiftung in our part, I think the foundations could be very good, let's say, enablers, and then the system would learn how to do yeah. it and how to behave properly. One of the things that you were speaking about in your remarks earlier was the movement of people, students and postdocs and more senior researchers. 
Um, obviously, at the end of 2020 is the end of the transition period uh, and the end of free movement between the UK and countries in the EU. Um, and last week, the UK government introduced plans for a new points-based immigration system. What do you think the implications of that kind of system are for de developing the kind of collaboration you were talking about? Let me start with history. There okay. was a contract in Bologna in the year 1088. Okay, that's a long time history, but okay. <laughs> Already then, they clearly stated that scientists and scholars should be able to move freely across what they called Europe in those days. Okay. So since then, there's a tradition for migration of scientific, scientific people, people of letters. So I think we should do everything that we get regulations which are outside a what I would assume rather complex system of it. We don't talk about really about immigration. We talk more about circulation and some of them will stay, but what we talk is brain circulation. If you do not do that, Britain will suffer brain drain. This is something which we know from the new member states, which we don't know usually from other mm. places. So I think this circulation, the ability to circulate, to migrate for scientists should be maintained at any costs. You answered this a little bit earlier, but how can we, as we come to the end of the transition period, and there's a, an element of risk of the UK disassociating a little bit with yeah. some of the European collaborations, how can we preserve the kind of research collaborations that we have and, and, and hopefully even enhance them, but, but get over this period of uncertainty? I would immediately start now, not only to negotiate in Brussels, the Brexit type of contract, I would immediately start, let's say, hopefully with German authorities about bilateral agreements. And I could imagine since um, United States but also Netherlands are very important cooperation partners, it, I could imagine that it would also be interesting for your universities and your government to have bilateral um, the discussions with those countries. I would do it immediately because whatever comes out from the association, uh, association uh, negotiations, it will be less than what we have. Yes. So, so the bilateral would be either a topping, hopefully, or if things get really worse, then it would be a, a proper replacement. So please start, we should start these negotiations tomorrow. So if you were suddenly in the room with our brand new UK Minister for Research, who was only appointed a week or so ago, and you had two or three minutes to uh, give her some ideas. What would you say? What would you want her to do? My first sentence would be, take the advice repeatedly given by the Royal Society concerning Brexit, take it serious. Listen to your experts, or in the words of Greta Thunberg, trust your scientists. That would be the first <laughs> sentence. Right. My second sentence concretely would mean, in fact, maintain and as, as much as possible the arrangements within the current uh, European research area and extend the contracts, at least make it associate membership as 
constructive as possible. Number three, be especially concerned that freedom of movement, of migration of scientists within Europe is guaranteed and take special awareness for the students. This would be my number two and my number three would be that we should in fact, and what I said before, start with bilateral agreements in the way which I mentioned before. And I would propose those three elements which I mentioned. So bilateral agreements is a must. Well, we'll try and pass on all of those to the science minister and we'll see how we go. Finally, let's end on a sort of a positive note. If we can look into a, a crystal ball, which we don't believe in because we're scientists, but if we were to look into a crystal ball and imagine that things go really well over the next five years, how can you see collaboration between the UK and Germany developing over that time? I'm optimistic by nature. And as a scientist, I think I do have to be optimistic at the same time. And I do believe that the relationships which have been built over the last years will be, and scientists are creative, it will be maintained. And I think we all will explore to find possibilities to work. And in the end, I do believe when the, when the feather about Brexit is over, that normal life will start and we will do what is really needed. Yes, I think you're not the only person who wishes that. Uh, that's a wonderful place to end. Uh, Professor Stock, thank you very much. Thank you. You're listening to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. You can find us on soundcloud.com, on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you found this podcast. Or you can check out further details about the Foundation at www.foundation.org.uk.